Uh, welcome to Church Online from wherever it is that you are watching from today. It's uh, so good to have you with us. Um, and it's also so good to have uh, Jody um, with me as well as we uh, kick off our service uh, this year. Really trust and pray you've been enjoying the summer series and hearing from Scott from uh, George's River Life Church. We've got the third uh, message from him coming up later in the service. Um, but before we get there, Jody, um, throughout January we've been catching up with some of our mission partners finding that really encouraging and really inspiring. Um, for those who maybe don't know you or, or haven't heard what you do, uh, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and the work that you're involved with? Sure. Well, uh, my name is Jody and my wife is Lois and we both work for Power to Change in Australia. Uh, and I personally am the team leader for the Sydney area for university students, but in partic- particular uh, international university students. Yeah, fantastic. Um, now, obviously, last year for most people was a year full of all manner of disruptions, and the plan A that we had at the beginning of the year was not necessarily what we saw through. Mm-hmm. So, could you just want to share a little bit, I guess, how your ministry had to shift and respond mm. uh, to COVID and restrictions last year, and, and any God stories that were in the midst of that? Sure. Yes, Laura, like everybody else, we had plan A, B, C, D, all the way down, and uh, we're still going <laughs> through the alphabet. Um, yeah, we started out, you know, university starts in uh, end of February, March. Things were kind of going okay, but we saw that, that over the horizon, this cloud was coming. And so we were thinking about how do we, what do we do? Because we um, meet students um, personally for Bible study and just catching up. Also, of course, we're wanting to meet those who aren't Christians yet to, uh, you know, meet with them and see if they're interested. And we have a gathering, we call it family dinner every Wednesday, or every Tuesday. <clears throat> and that's a great place to have a meal together, a real entry, good entry point, low commitment, but also it gives a taste of what Christianity is. Um, we had, I think, two of those, and then we had to shut down. Yeah, and it was a shame because we had, we had such good momentum in the start. So then we had to go, like many people had to go to Zoom, had to learn Zoom, and it took weeks, actually months, to figure it out. And to be honest, it didn't really work that well. <laughs> so uh, even when we nailed it, you know, everything, tech and the program, whatever, and then, it, you know, students, if they didn't show up, you know, you had two or three students, well, that's that's what you had. And, and we were thankful for those students, but basically it kind of killed our momentum, to be honest. Mm. So working with international students, obviously we're aware that there's been some pretty serious travel restrictions uh, in and out of country. Um, in your sense, like how, how are they actually going and are there unique challenges or opportunities that you have in ministering to that group of people? Yeah, I think um, one of the things I can just ask everybody is just try to imagine yourself in a different country where it's not your first language. And you have to deal with the transportation, shopping, the whole thing. And now imagine it's Christmas and you're away from family and friends. And if you can get a little bit of that feel, then multiply that for one or two years because our students couldn't go home, right? So they had to stay. And so opportunities uh, are kind of focused around hospitality. Uh, we also gave away uh, a lot of uh, care packages. We loaded them with, you know, sanitizer in the, in the beginning with toilet paper, uh, not so much toilet paper now, but, you know, foodstuffs and, um, uh, you know, just trying to show care. And we also started giving away um, uh, gift cards from Coles and Woolies. Some people are really doing it tough. They can't pay the rent. And so we supplemented through 
larger uh, denominations of gift cards, and that was very, very helpful. Yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned Christmas. Now, I know you, you had uh, a fun Christmas gathering mm. just the other night um, right. with some of the international <laughs> students. Do you want to uh, share a little bit about how that came about? Sure. So we, we had the you know great plan. We're going to meet the, together for Christmas, you know, in December 22nd, and then we couldn't because of restrictions. We set another date for J- January 4th, and then more restrictions. And so we just prayed, and one of our students said, what if we just keep those um, gifts, because everyone bought gifts and wrapped them for a gift exchange game, but we'll take uh, care packages to their home, we'll receive their gift that they wrapped, and then we'll go to the next house and give that gift to that person and receive their gift. And Anyway, we did that, and we met on Zoom last night for the gift opening, and it was really fun. Nice. <laughs> so it was redeemed, yes. <laughs> yes, well, that is good. Yeah. Um, how are you going stepping into this year in terms of where you sense God leading you and the ministry? What are some of your hopes, plans, dreams? How can we be praying for you as well? Yeah, we really want to thank you for your prayers and your support. Um, we're just going into it as if things are going to be open so that we can meet face-to-face. Uh, it's, it is hard to do online ministry. It's really quite difficult. So we're just assuming that we can, <clears throat> and so we're planning that way, but we also have you know, our plan B's on the side. Um, but the main thing is um, opening up our homes, even if it's five people, if we can have people over for dinner. Those are the, those small things, those uh, areas of hospitality, we call it, being a home away from home for these students. That's what really opens up hearts and opens up opportunities for sharing the gospel. No, that's really good. I might um, just piggyback off that really quickly and just, just really encourage uh, you at home as well to be meeting together as much as you're safely able to do. And I, I know there's a, a limit there in homes uh, at the moment in New South Wales. And so some of those home church gatherings that were happening towards the end of last year uh, can't happen in, in that full capacity, but still allow five people over. So step into that place of hospitality. And from next Sunday, our in-person services here at Klein's Road will resume as well. So make sure you register during the week and we hope to see plenty of you there. Uh, next Sunday. Um, but Jody, uh, I know you've got a heart for discipleship and um, yeah, helping people meet the Lord for themselves. And mm. one of the big ways you've been doing that, uh, I know, has been just opening the word with people. So just wonder if you had a sort of Bible discovery method uh, story up your sleeve from recent times. Uh, not recent, but uh, I do have a group. I think I mentioned it before, but I there's one, uh, three people from China, actually, originally. One is um, Steve. He's in, at Macquarie. He's studying med, uh, medicine. <clears throat> but then another guy, Carney, he got stuck in China, and he's doing his master's at Macquarie from China. And there's a girl that uh, I helped lead to Christ from Sydney Uni, and she went back to China. But we are meeting um, now on Zoom. Well, is it a Zoom? Yeah, it is Zoom. <laughs> and we're studying First uh, Samuel together, and it's been very, very good. Uh, that's so encouraging to hear. Um, thank you for... Um, not just the work uh, that you do in reaching others, but the heart and the consistency that you have across your life um, with that as well. Uh, we'll continue to pray uh, for you and, and for the ministry this year and yeah, look forward to hearing updates um, as we go as well. Um, we're going to move into a, a time of worship now in our service. Um, but before we do, we're just going to hear from Steve, who's um, one of the, the guys, um, the team who uh, serve lunch in the homeless to the homeless every Sunday. We've had the chance to, to meet and get to know um, over the past few months as well. So after we hear from him, um, we'll launch into a time of worship as well.
I, uh, I build whatever needs to be built. I can do landscaping, you know, I can do all the trades. Uh, the people here are doing a great job here. They come with food and everything like that. And it's good to have somewhere to come and talk to people, talk to them about God and what they are, sharing the faith and what I believe in and all that sort of stuff. Like uh, God always provides your needs and everything like that. All you've got to do is go to him in faith and pray and ask and he will supply all your needs in his own time. Not your timing. You might have to wait a little bit of time because he never gives you too much in one, one hit. Like, uh, these people are good here. They come around and they serve. They bless them. Bless the unfortunate people who need help and all that sort of stuff. Acts 21, verse 7 to 15. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemaeus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we'd been there for a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 21, it's about 57 AD. By this point, Paul has just spent six years going absolutely everywhere. Everywhere he went, he planted churches. Uh, in this time, he wrote some of the greatest literary works of history. He wrote Romans and Galatians and 1 and 2 Corinthians and 1 and 2 Thessalonians. And along the way, he started a number of riots as well too. It was an incredible period of Paul's life. And then he comes to this point where he, like Jesus, sets his face toward Jerusalem. He had a yearning to go back to where it all began. And Paul was um, both a celebrity to the Gentile world by this point, and also pretty notorious, a bit of an outlaw in the Jewish world, because not only had he attracted many Gentiles toward Jesus, but he'd attracted many Jews as well too. So in Acts 21, there is this interesting little scene, which you may miss, and it's a scene with a prophet named Agabus. And in this scene, Agabus, in true prophetic form, comes to Paul and uh, he grabs Paul's belt and whips it off. Now, I'm assuming he wasn't holding up too much. And then he takes Paul's belt and he ties it around his own wrists and ankles. And he says to him that the religious leaders in Jerusalem 
will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. It's quite a scene. Kind of weird, really. I think it would have been easier if you just sent him a note and said, think about it. But for Agabus, this is uh, this was a powerful declaration. And the way that Paul responds to this declaration is really interesting. It's really critical. And it's what I want to bring to our attention today, too. Because it's not only revealing that this is the sliding doors moment when Paul's life would change for the rest of uh, his life toward his death, but also it reveals something critical about what it means to follow Christ. Let's discover what that means today. No matter what you think about God today, there are some universal needs that we all desire for life to be, well, you know, good. Firstly, uh, we desire a life of meaning. And this is the why of our lives. You know, we, we are meaning-making creatures. We, we look for meaning, and we must find meaning to live. And when you have no why in your life, it's hard to not sink at times into feelings of futility and depression. We also long for a life of community. This is the who of your life. You know, we're wired for relationship and community at all levels, from lovers to family to friends to a sense of tribe. And for the most part, we crave it. And I think that's why half the world is now on Zoom. So if meaning is our why and community is our who, thirdly, we desire a life of freedom. And this is our how, the how of your life. Freedom is a basic human right for all. The death of George Floyd reawakened the world to the reality that not all people enjoy the same freedoms, that black lives matter equally, and all people should have the same freedoms because we are all image bearers who equally share in the same gift of life. So meaning, community, and freedom. All people want these. But here's my question. How do we fill those cups today in Australia? And by that I mean, how do we as a Western, democratic, top 2% in terms of highly affluent wealth, primarily secular culture, which dismisses the transcendent, like the one we live in Sydney, how do we go filling these cups? Now, I'm generalizing here, but I agree with writers like Mark Sayers and like Hugh McKay when I say that the cup of meaning today, it's pretty low. I'm not saying it's empty, but it is very hard to ascribe meaning to life when, in a secular framework at least, the reason you exist is simply that you're a cosmic fluke of random atoms colliding, that life has no divine cause or reference point, and when you die, well, that's it. I mean, that's depressing. And so what do affluent secular societies like ours do? Well, generally, we satisfy hunger for meaning by substituting it with pleasure. Back to the Epicureans. Remember they said that meaning comes in finding pleasure. So what do we do? We become a consumer. We buy lots of stuff. We see the world. We travel. We eat. We drink. We party while we can because because that's all that life means. See, the cup also of community, I think, is getting lower too. Australians uh, are seeing their family sizes continually shrink. More households are sole parents. 
uh, couples are having fewer or no kids. People are living alone now. 25% of all dwellings are single-person dwellings. And recent surveys indicate that 25% of Australians experience loneliness and isolation, not just as a COVID-19 interruption, but a long-standing weekly experience of life. That our society produces radically individualistic people who are increasingly alone. So the cups of meaning and community, I would say, are pretty low. But in our culture, the cup of freedom is full to overflowing. Now, again, I'm not talking about civil rights nor basic human dignity, because for many, that cup is far from overflowing. I'm talking about this sort of indulgent and individualistic mindset that permeates the West that says, you should do whatever you want to do. You should have whatever you want to have. You should be whatever you want to be. Redefine yourself any way you like. Go wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go. You know, that you are free from any external moral authority or code because, well, they're just instruments of oppression. So be free to do whatever it is that makes you feel good. And then, hey, if we all have enough of this kind of freedom, then we'll all be happy and live in some kind of, I don't know, secular utopia. (laughs) I think deep down we know that it's not working and it's not going to end well. Our, our cup of freedom may be overflowing, yet we are the, the loneliest, most anxious and depressed, most medicated, most conflicted, most offended, most outraged and confused generation that in our insatiable desire for more and more, we are consuming the planet's resources at a rate that is frankly totally unsustainable. So for all of our freedoms, it doesn't deliver the life we really want. And it probably robs someone else of the life that they want along the way. So in in summary, we all want meaning, we all want community, and we all want freedom. And our society delivers us a lot of freedom, yet we have evaporating communities and a drought of real meaning in life. So we substitute it with comfort and pleasure and we fear anything that may threaten that (laughs) now you're probably thinking what has all that got to do with the passage i'm getting to the point paul says i am ready not only to be bound but also to die in jerusalem for the name of the lord jesus see here paul's choice is to pour out his freedom into the cup of meaning and the cup of community he exemplifies that in the same way that Jesus lived. And he says, you know, effectively that we find meaning and we find and gain community not by the abundance of our freedom, but by the stewarding of and the pouring out of our freedom. Paul had, you know, prophets and he had friends trying to persuade him to stay free, but, uh, and, and he would be free by avoiding Jerusalem. But Paul, you know, he just wouldn't be swayed. In, it, in fact, in the end, they give up. And this whole relinquishing of freedom thing is crucial to understanding how Christianity is supposed to play out in the disciples' life. This is actually really central to how Jesus lived and and how he taught us to live. See, I think we are longing for meaning and purpose and deep community and freedom. But we don't realize that our freedom is like, like currency and we spend that currency in order to gain meaning and community. And if you won't spend any of your freedom currency, you will struggle to fill the other two cups. For example, 
We really want community, of course, but community requires a commitment to invest into others, which effectively means giving away some of your freedom. Marriage, for example, says, I will limit my sexual and my romantic choices down to one. And if we don't do that, the community of our marriage breaks down. Or like being a part of a church, if you want to belong, you'll have to forego other options to invest into people. Whenever you want people in your life in a meaningful way, it's going to cost you some freedom. Again, we really want a life of meaning and purpose. But actually, you know what? We find meaning in giving ourselves away in the service of other people. Again, which means we have to limit our freedom. And any parent knows this when a child enters your world. You're not free like you used to be, at least. And we will ultimately find meaning in relationship with God. And our hearts are restless until we find our rest in Him. But the problem is, well, we don't want to commit to or come under any authority of a religious tradition or a doctrine or a code at the expense of our freedom. And so we don't. So can you see how Paul's attitude to freedom is so counter our cultural? There is uh, there's nothing wrong with freedom. And Paul would say, for freedom, Jesus has set you free, so don't go back to anything that makes you a slave again. But what we see in Jesus and in Paul is that freedom is surrendered to gain meaning and community. It's poured out. And to walk out God's purposes for your lives, it has to be surrendered. Maybe the only way Paul would ever finish his race well was to die to any ambition to stay free or comfortable or protect his life. One way or another, Paul had to lay it down. And the radical message of Jesus is that the life that you most want is not found in the abundance of your freedom or the abundance of your possessions or your pleasures, but in the abundance of your surrender. I, I don't think laying down your life looks like any one thing. You could live to a ripe old age. My granddad lived to almost 101. He was in no way perfect, but he lived the vast majority of his life surrendered to Jesus, bound, limited in his freedom in some ways. Yet I saw that his cup of meaning and community was full to the day that he went home to Jesus and we placed him here. And you will lay it down one day too. Like it or not, you will have to lay down your life in death. We all do. And the secular story only has silence for you at this point. No words of comfort or hope. Just tombstones. could embrace the possibility of dying in Jerusalem because his freedom was not contingent on the variety of choices that he could still make or the number of places that he could travel. Paul could lay down his freedom and possibly his life for the same reason that he would get into so much trouble for the next six chapters, for the next three years with the Jews. This is why they wanted him dead. In fact, in Acts 24, under the trial of Governor Felix, Paul says the reason why I'm here, he says, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. 
You see, the real issue was resurrection. And the real freedom that Paul was looking to was resurrection. The early church would never budge, like Paul, on the historical reality of the resurrection. If today you feel like hmm, life lacks meaning or purpose, or you feel the ache of loneliness, I want you to know that the life that you long for is only found in the Jesus who was raised from death to life. This is where life finds its true meaning. Nails bound Jesus hand and foot to a cross so you could be free. He's forsaken from community so that you could be found in community. And life has meaning because he is risen. You know, like a great restoration is already begun and we will be liberated from all the hopelessness and all the finality of death. Paul, setting his face toward Jerusalem like his master, reminds me that we are to daily quieten that perfectly reasonable voice of comfort and freedom to take up our cross and to follow him to our own Jerusalems where we too may be bound, where we may be poured out, laid down so that others may flourish. But in dying to ourselves, we gain the very things that we think we're losing in all of this. We're gaining true freedom. We're gaining deep relationships with one another and with God mostly. And the cup of meaning in our lives will be overflowing and never run dry. Maybe you see that for all your freedoms and all the things that charm you the most, that they can never satisfy your deepest longing for meaning and purpose and community with God. But right now, you can begin to change all that by acknowledging that your life is out of whack. That you could start today to give your thoughts and your desires over to Jesus and ask him to come in and to begin to reshape them. I wonder if you would pray with me about that. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are the way to true community. You're the way to true freedom. You're the way to true meaning in life. I thank you, Lord, that you extend this offer to every single one of us listening to this today, that we can come home to you, that we can know you, and that, Lord, you can begin to transform and fill the empty cups of our life to overflowing. We submit our hearts to you today. We give you our hearts and we ask you to come into all of the broken places and begin to mend them. Thank you, God. This is your heart and your desire for each person listening. And we ask that it would be so from this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me today. In this place, this place of death, there is life. There is life for you. And I pray that you might know that life And it might propel you into this week and into this year ahead. God bless. like to connect with me you can 
You can uh, connect with us at care at grlc.org.au. If you've got questions about faith or about some decisions that you've made today, we'd love to hear from you. May you know that in the midst of the realities of death, that there is life coming. There is hope in Jesus. And may that hope in Jesus fill your life today. Thanks for joining me. It's been great to have you with us. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Yeah, well, thank you, Scott, for sharing that message um, with us. And we actually just wanted to say a, a big thank you to Scott and the whole team at George's River Life Church for gifting um, these messages over the last three weeks uh, to us as a church uh, for our summer series as well. Thank you for your generosity, um, George's River Life. And um, I just pray and trust that uh, these messages have been really impacting uh, for you. Uh, and I encourage you, if you are meeting together with others, whether it's as a family or one of the larger gatherings here on site, to actually take time now uh, to share with each other what it is that you have, have got from these three messages, um, and in particular, the message from today. How do you sense that God is actually calling you to respond to that? Well, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining us online. Um, really look forward to seeing some of you in person next Sunday as well. Make sure you do register during the week in the lead up um, to those services as well. God bless from us.